I'm going to go ahead and start right now with um, some questions that people had already sent in. So I'm going to work on those first while we're still sort of waiting for people to join us. I've been collecting those over the last couple of weeks. So let me get to those. Um, the first question that I have is from my friend Virginia Peterson. Um, she uh, asked, I was wondering if you had a preferred view on the whole spiritual gifts issue. There seems to be such disparate interpretations and implementations of spiritual gifts, how many there are, how many each person has, and are they the only the ones listed in scripture? Do you need to take a test, etc.? So I thought I'd offer a few um, comments about spiritual gifts. Um, there's a few places in scripture that talk about spiritual gifts. So 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians chapter 4, um, are a couple of places. I think there's also a place in Romans that talks about spiritual gifts. And there's various lists of teaching and evangelists and the gift of um, prophecy and administration. There's all kinds of different gifts. And my personal view of the spiritual gifts is that um, they are, uh, I used to kind of hold a view that everyone had one gift and they were just the ones listed in scripture. I don't know how I arrived at that conclusion. I think that's just sort of what I was taught. I hadn't really looked into it. I hadn't really thought about it very much. But um, as I've worked more in ministry, and especially in ministry of prayer and intercession, um, it seems that um, God gives all Christians, at least in my, again, from my ministry experience, um, he gives each Christian several gifts. You know, there's no scripture um, that says you only get one gift. I think that's just an assumption that, that we make. Um, and there are um, also one thing I've learned is that I think that there's actually other spiritual gifts that aren't specifically mentioned in scripture. Um, and I think the ones that we have in scripture are highlights or maybe the most common ones but um i i have come to believe that there are actually more spiritual gifts than what are listed in scripture and um so for that reason um you know just ministry experience has kind of changed my mind on this particular issue as far as taking a spiritual gifts assessment um, I actually think that can be a pretty helpful starting point. I've taken a number of those. I used to have, when I taught theology at Biola University, I used to have the students, when they would take the ecclesiology class, um, take a spiritual gifts assessment, just as sort of a helpful starting point for Christians to begin thinking and considering what their spiritual gifts are. Um, I've also tried to be aware and looking in like, for example, in the lives of other people, and I will often um, bring it to their attention of uh, what I think their gift is. If I notice something in them, 
Um, I'll try to make a point of telling them, hey, have you ever considered, you know, that this might be a spiritual gift for you? Um, I even uh, have had some conversations recently with one of my children. I think she has the gift of mercy uh, toward others. So I try to speak into that in people's lives and, and build them up in that way. But I do think that taking an assessment can be a useful way to start the conversation. It's not exhaustively complete, but it's just a, a helpful tool to help um, kind of begin to, to consider um, the gifts that might be there. So, yeah, Virginia, I hope that uh, kind of helps answer your question and some thoughts on spiritual gifts. So if you ha are joining us and you have a question about theology or apologetics or homeschooling or um, any number of issues like that, feel free to um, just join in and type out your question in chat and I will see it. It will pop right up on my screen and I'll be able to see it. So going to update the description here okay all right so um let's do another question real quick um okay i'm gonna take a little minute here while people are still joining us i'm gonna try to see if i can find my tripod So help me so my, I'm not staring down the whole time. There we go. Handy dandy tripod. There we go. Much better. Okay. Now I don't feel like I'm staring downward. All right. Um, yeah, let's do another question here. This one was sent to me by Helena who's a friend of mine from church. She wanted to know if I had any teaching on Matthew chapter 8, um, especially verse 22. Um, she's, she was a little troubled, and she found Jesus' words there kind of harsh and somewhat confusing, and she was sort of wrestling with the meaning of Matthew chapter 8, especially verse 22. So I thought that would be a great question for us to talk about. So I'm going to grab my Bible here. Where is it? Oh, you know what? I bet it's downstairs. All right, I'll just pull it up on Bible Gateway. All right, Matthew chapter 8. So if you have your Bible, just be turning there now, or you could pull it up on Bible Gateway. And we are going to start reading here at verse 18, so we can get the context of what Jesus is teaching. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now another disciple asked, said to him, 
Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. So in particular, Helena is asking about that verse 22 there of letting the dead bury their own dead. And it's kind of a, a bit of a um, cryptic saying of Jesus. So what could we say about that? So I want to talk about this for a minute. Um, just posting. I am live. Okay. So let's talk about Matthew chapter 8. Now, if we think about this, we have to think about this as a unit. We have to think about these verses all together. We don't want to just take out verse 22. We want to see what the context is. That's why I started at verse 18. Now, what is the context of this? This is really um, a great way to, it's a great exercise in how to study the Bible. You want to get the big idea. What is this whole grouping of verses about? And I would say it's a grouping of verses about the cost of discipleship, what it's going to cost you to follow Jesus. And there's a number of these types of sayings in the Gospels. Now, um, when we see here, this teacher of the law says, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, that is what we might call um, a euphemistic way of saying Rabbi, I want to be your disciple. I want to follow you. And um, this was very common in the first century. Jesus was not the only Jewish rabbi uh, with disciples. This was the normal way of doing things. What was abnormal about Jesus was that um, his recruits for disciples were not from the local seminary. Uh, the, the, the young men who had um, gone through all the proper training and the proper classes. That's not where Jesus went to recruit his disciples. He went to fishermen. He went to the lakeshore. He went to the local tax collector office. This is what makes Jesus such an unusual rabbi is that he gets disciples. He takes a very conventional um, thing in that day and age of a rabbi and disciples, but then he does it in a very unconventional way. And so this guy comes along, this teacher of the law says, I want to be one of your disciples. I will follow you wherever you go. And then what is Jesus's reply in verse 20 here? He says, foxes have dens, birds have nests. Okay, now think for a minute. What is Jesus saying in this saying? Foxes have dens, birds have nests. Well, these are both animals, foxes and birds, and dens and nests are their homes. And so then he says, the son of man has no place to lay his head. What, what is Jesus saying? He's basically saying, um, look, if you follow me as my disciple, what you need to understand is this is a situation where you're following a homeless guy. Um, I am not your typical rabbi, and this is not um, a path to being famous. <laughs> this is um, a difficult path, and you're not going to have a home because the rabbi that you're following does not have a home. And what I think that um, 
Matthew does here is that he clusters two sayings together with a similar theme. And, and it's a very Eastern way of doing it. He, you arrange things thematically. Luke is much more concerned with arranging information chronologically. Um, Matthew is much more concerned about arranging information thematically. So he groups this saying with another saying that ha has a similar theme. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Oh, okay. So now this guy wants to follow Jesus, but he wants to go do something first. He wants to go take care of something first. So he says, let me go and bury my father. So what's he saying here? Like, what's the big idea of what this disciple is telling Jesus? Basically, he's saying, I want to go do the culturally prescribed things um, that I need to do in order to be viewed in my culture as being a good and loyal and faithful son. I want to go bury my father. And then Jesus's response to him is, follow me and let the, bury, let the dead bury their own dead. So here... In the first saying, Jesus is basically telling the guy, don't follow me. And in this saying, he's, he's telling him, follow me. It's very interesting. And um, what's Jesus telling him? Basically, he's telling him that um, the problems that this guy thinks are a problem of his culture and um, looking good in his culture are really not ought to be his primary concern. Um, Jesus is not interested in propping people up to be good Jewish boys. His primary concern is getting people to follow him first um, as their first allegiance. So I want you to recall a similar saying of Jesus where Jesus tells his disciples, unless you hate your father and mother, you cannot be my disciple. You know, there's, a, there's a cost involved. And um, if you're joining us late, I just want to invite you to type out your question there, and I'll take that. Right now, we're having a conversation about Matthew chapter 8, uh, verses 18 to 22 is what we're looking at right now. So if you want to go on Bible Gateway, you can pull that up or pull out your Bible and flip over to Matthew chapter 8. There's another, I think, very similar saying of Jesus elsewhere. Um that he talks about um, having more allegiance to him than you do to your biological family. And I think it's very important to understand in a Middle Eastern context, the really the radical nature of what Jesus is saying here in that saying and similar in this, um, let their bed, dead bury their own dead. I really think that what he's saying is, look, you've got, um, you have to know, that your allegiance has to be to Jesus first. That has to be your primary concern. Um, your identity is not in your ethnicity. Your identity is not in your parents or your family uh, bonds. It's in Jesus first. And that's really what Jesus is going for. So although this does seem like from an American perspective, a very harsh saying, it would have been quite revolutionary in that Middle Eastern context and still today in, in that context because of uh, the whole group identity and, and living in an honor-shame culture and the importance of um, 
certain group rules, cultural rules about honor and shame and, and how that works. And Jesus is basically saying, look, um, your first allegiance has to be in me. Your identity has to be in me. So anyways, okay, we got a question here from Jennifer. Um, I'm going to try to read it with my middle-aged eyes. What do you think about studying science chronologically? So instead of breaking it down into subjects like biology, chemistry, you kind of study major scientific discoveries, maybe replicate their experiments if you can, how natural philosophy developed over time. Yes, that makes sense. Okay, you're asking for a sixth, I think sixth grader and something else. Yeah, I actually um, think that can be a thing. There is a curriculum that I reviewed over on the reasons.org website. If you go to reasons.org and I'm going to try to pull it up here and try not to crash my internet. Um, and you click on education on the education tab at the top. And then there'll be an option to go to the education educators help desk area. And, um, you go in the help desk and then you click on curriculum reviews, I believe. Okay, it's on art, it's uh, articles. And then it'll be on curriculum reviews. There is a curriculum that does exactly what you're describing, and I'm going to get the name of it for you right now. Um, it is by Dr. J. Weil. And it's called Science in the Series. Science in the dot, dot, dot. Science in the Ancient World. Science in the Beginning. Uh, science, what is the other one? It's like Science in the Scientific Revolution. Yeah. So that's kind of like post-Renaissance, the rise of modern science type of thing. And that's exactly what Dr. Weil does. It's exactly what you're describing, Jennifer. And got a fairly good review. So you can, I'll see if I can be tricky here and actually post this in the comments for you. Well, we'll see if that works. <laughs> uh, and, um, but if not, you can go follow that path that I gave you. Go to the reason. There it is, reasons.org website. You can read the review there and see, see if Jay Weil is up to what you're thinking. I've got some copies of these in my office. I've looked at them. Um, I think it's, I think it's pretty much what you're, what you're describing there. So I uh, like Jay Weil. Um, he's got some good stuff. So yay, it worked. <laughs> Glad for you. So I want to invite anyone else to uh, type in your questions, if you have for me, on homeschooling, theology, apologetics, and uh, that sort of thing. And I don't know if you're like the Jennifer Hampson. Once upon a time, I had a student named Jennifer Hampson like 20 years ago or 25 years ago. Anyways, I don't know if you're her, but um, anyways, uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, would love to hear some more questions from you guys. Okay, so I've got some more questions saved here. Um, okay. It's you! Oh, that's so happy, Jennifer. I'm so glad that you uh, found me and are joining me. That's awesome. Um, I did want to talk about uh, 
my testimony. I'm gonna, there we go. I did want to take a moment to talk about some of my testimonial videos on my uh, YouTube channel. Um, some of you have been writing me uh, uh, messages um, about my testimonial videos, about my healing from bipolar disorder and uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, general anxiety. And um, I just want to encourage you and just sort of give a generic answer because most of those inquiries, I end up kind of writing the same, the same thing over and over again. And that's why I have the testimonial videos. Hey, there's my sister-in-law joining. Uh, awesome. Hey, Nikki. Uh, if you have questions about the Bible, I think Clark can probably answer all your questions for you. But if you have questions, you can type those in the chat box. Um, so anyways, on my testimonial videos, basically for people that are inquiring about that, I just really recommend the best place to start is um, the book Spiritual Warfare by Carl Payne. And that's where I started. And if uh, that will get you going down the path and you can check out my videos there on my YouTube channel. So that's just sort of a generic response to my testimony. And I know that some of you have been following me for a lot of years. And so, um, you know, it's, uh, it's been a journey for me in going through my healing. Um, it's been, uh, huge, huge adjustment for me. My life's gone through a lot of changes as a result of that. So if you have been following me for a while, I do want to encourage you to go to my YouTube channel and uh, just find out more about, about my story there and um, some of the things that have been happening with me. So um, let's see here. I have some other questions, but they're more related to the realm of spiritual warfare. So I'm going to hold off on those. So I do want to encourage you, if you have questions, just go ahead and type those in the chat box. You can talk, we could talk about theology and apologetics. And, um, oh, Jennifer, being thoughtful in your presentation of Eastern Orthodoxy. Very nice to hear a fair Protestant voice out there. Awesome. Yeah. And so one of my closest friends is a Coptic Orthodox member. Uh, she's a convert from, I guess, quasi-charismatic churches. And um, extremely thoughtful uh, person that I thoroughly enjoy talking to. And she and her husband are both converts. And um, it's been some great conversations. I've learned a ton and I've really appreciated uh, what the value that she brings to my life and being able to talk to her about various issues and kind of the way that I think about these things now um, is that there's three basic streams of Christianity, um, historic Christianity. There's um, what I call the ancient faith stream, which would be like orthodoxy, um, Catholicism and more or less Anglicanism. I would kind of put it that as like a, a bridge between ancient faith. And then the second 
kind of stream of Christianity is what I call um, more evangelical Protestant. These are people that are more like gospel focused. And then a third stream is like charismatic Pentecostal. And I've really kind of become extremely eclectic in my approach to theology, especially over the last couple of years. And having a friend who's Orthodox is really kind of altered how I see a lot of issues. And I really like the approach of Tom Oden in his book, Classic Christianity, I think it's called Classic Theology or Classic Christianity, um, where he's really just drawing on the first four or 500 years of the church and trying to find out like what all of these streams have in common at the core. And I've become fairly eclectic in my approach on that issue. So I really like to pull from different traditions and even in the realm of that I'm in ministry-wise, in intercession and prayer ministry, it's always fun to talk to my Coptic friend because I'm always like, okay, am I off the deep end yet? Is everything I'm doing still good? And can, can you know, is it in the ancient tradition, is, am I still in the stream of Christianity here? And it's, it's some great conversations. For me, that's checks and balances, and it keeps me balanced. And um, having a deep, a deep, deep appreciation for um, orthodoxy in particular. And so that's kind of uh, a little bit about my thoughts about that. So I'm glad that you're noticing. Jennifer, I'm glad you're feeling like I'm doing an okay job. I'm trying. Um, you converted seven years ago, so it makes me happy to hear. Oh, very good. Uh, yeah, well, so like I said, I uh, my... My very close friend is is Coptic. It's, they've been cops maybe four or five years now, but um, had an awesome opportunity. We had a chance to like speak together at her church um, over Christmas time. That was amazing. I got to speak to their college group, and we did a talk together. Like she did half of it, and I did half of it, and um, had a great time. I've gotten to know her priest a little bit. He's a amazing man of God and it's really um just a great tradition I've I've really appreciated that so what you're saying about spiritual warfare makes so much more sense to me now that I'm orthodox than it ever would have I think is what you mean when I was reformed yeah and so I should probably explain that I am not I don't really self-identify as being reformed anymore I left that tradition about 15 years ago um I'm much more, like I said, I've become extremely eclectic in my theology and um, just really trying to find the best from all traditions. I think if I was going to join um, a church now, I would probably seriously consider Anglicanism. I like the balance there. Um, they're rooted in ancient faith. They're still evangelical, but they're also, many of them are open to charismatic things. And I kind of self-identify across all three of those streams of Christianity um, in different ways. So that's just a little bit about, about my journey. You know, I'm always growing and, and uh, my study of scripture. So what I've been through in the realm of uh, spiritual warfare and intercession um, the last two years has been, um, I had to rethink some things and um, I had to 
broaden some of my understandings of certain things. Other things weren't really affected, but just just in my own personal life, there were some some ways that God uh, came into my life that my theology at that time really couldn't accommodate. So yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, and I don't know if you've watched any of my videos, Jennifer, um, along those lines, but I would be curious for your feedback as an Orthodox person. So it's a interesting journey as we continue to grow. You're starting, oh good, it sounds like you have watched it. All right, great. Okay, cool. Uh, well, I th and I thank you for that. Um, Great, you'll message me. Awesome. I would love to hear from you and find out uh, what your thoughts are. Okay, well, I'm going to kind of sign off unless people have more questions uh, they want to talk about. And um, maybe I'll do a little thing that I've been wanting to do for a while on um, thoughts about um, reading scripture with children. I, I, I've thought about making a video about this. I just haven't gotten around to it. But um, I really want to encourage all of you as parents to read the scriptures with your children and to read them out loud and to try to do it um, every day if you can. And you don't have to explain everything. Um, oh, that is so sweet, Nikki. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for those kind words. Um, I want to encourage you to consider reading the scriptures with your children every day. You don't even have to explain them. I mean, right now I've been trying to read through the Gospel of Luke with my daughters, and I kind of do it at night as they're going to sleep. One of my daughters is 17. She's going to be a senior in high school. We don't have a big, long conversation after I read it. I just read it. I kiss her goodnight. We pray together, and um, that's it. You don't have to be a theologian to do it, but I, I truly believe that that the power of God is, is in his word and that, that those words spoken with our children and over our children can have a profound um, impact on their soul. And that's not to say that other books and other meditations aren't useful or helpful or, or anything. It's not disparaging of that in any way. But um, I just want to really encourage parents, especially in this, this busy age that we're in, to slow down and to take time to read to your children. And also I want to encourage you um, that there is a certain beauty in the simplicity of reading to your children, reading the scriptures to them. And um, even if you don't have a big conversation about it, you know, my older daughter is now at the point where, um, you know, she doesn't want to get in a big conversation with me about theology but she will allow me to read to her t at night. And um, it's just a special time for me to just let her know like, hey, whatever you're in, the Lord is still in it with you. And here's some words. And I don't know what God is doing in those seeds that are being planted in her heart um, or in either of my kids' hearts. And that's really up to the Lord to bring that, that supernatural fruit forward. But there's such a... I'm noticing that there is such a um, spirit of, of fear among Christian, so many Christian parents these days. 
of almost parenting out of a spirit of fear. And it's because we were coming to live in such a hostile culture. And we kind of allow those fearful words to kind of come into our minds, come into our souls. And I think that it comes out in our parenting in many ways. And I, I've had a lot of conversations with my older daughter about this and how much I'm trying to fight this. And, and I've talked to her quite a bit about like, look, you know, the, the Christian culture is telling me I need to be afraid and, and I need to parent you from a position of fear because you're going to lose your faith. But I don't really want to buy into that narrative. And, um, it's a difficult narrative and I see it so much in the realm of apologetics, especially with youth. Um, when I was teaching the youth at my church, I really tried intentionally to come at things from a positive um, point of view of how the students could be agents of transformation or, or you know, what people and Christians could agree on with the broader culture. I always tried to approach it from a positive angle, but um, I'm noticing that if you just stand back and you start looking at social media in particular, that's coming out of the realm of youth apologetics, um, there's a lot of fear. And um, I've become really acutely aware of this. And I don't know if it's because of my work in the realm of intercession and, and uh, that sort of thing, but it's just something that's been on my mind a lot lately. I haven't really shared it on Facebook, but... Um, just something to think about. I'd love to hear other people's thoughts about this. Am I the only one that's noticing this? Um, what are some of you doing to fight parenting from a posture of fear? Um, if any of you have used any strategies to, um, to that effect, I would really love to, to hear that because we live in such a, a time of change in our culture. And I, I really think that it's unsettling for us people, especially like my age and a little younger, it's very unsettling. And we, it's hard to know um, always what to, what to make of it or, and how to proceed. But um, I wanna just give you a word of encouragement to uh, kind of guard your heart from fear. And uh, fear is not from the Lord. And uh, fear is not for your child and um, that uh, that's not to say that all children are going to make their parents proud, but, um, you know, parenting from a posture of fear, it, it, my daughter and I have had a lot of conversations about how tiring it is for me and for her. And so we're always in the conversation of, well, how can we do this better? How can we not be in fear? So that's just kind of a, something to think about. I would love to hear your feedback on, uh, on that, um, at some point and if any of you have some thoughts about that so that's just something I've been kind of thinking about lately so if you're joining us and you want to write out a question uh, on theology apologetics homeschooling education um, the relationship between science and scripture um, you can certainly do that right now and I'm gonna be here for I'll stay on the line a couple more minutes here uh, I wanted to have Bob join me so I would have someone to talk to, but he was, uh, helping the poor at the, uh, food pantry. 
So, which I, that's a worthy cause. That's, that's good. Um, I do also want to mention again, uh, my YouTube channel is, uh, if you go on YouTube and you go to Theology Mom, I have a lot of teachings there. I've been trying to upload new teachings like practically every week. Um, it's been a little slow the last couple of weeks because I was in Washington, D.C., but uh, yeah, always uploading new things there. And also my two other public pages are Real Life Spiritual Warfare and uh, Foundations Bible Class, which I teach at my church. And we're going to be restarting that again in a couple of weeks. So that is a, a, a great resource if you want more teachings. Um, if you want teachings for youth, um, if you want to check out my old Truth Seekers Club page, that's still up. I'm not doing Truth Seekers anymore because the Lord has kind of called me into some other different ministries. But the page is still there. All the teachings are still there. And um, I'm hoping that I can get a few teenagers to join us for the Foundations class. Um, that would be amazing. But, um, yeah, I have a heart for youth, but the Lord has just kind of called me in a in a different direction. So, uh, Christina says she's interested in all that. It's all new to me. Oh, and you feel overwhelmed that there's so much. Okay. So I'm wondering, Christina, what's new? Is the realm of theology new for you? Are you a mom? I'd love to know more about your situation. I remember when I was about 22, which quite frankly feels like a long time ago. Um, I, uh, the realm of theology was new for me too. And it is overwhelming in the beginning. Um, but don't worry. Um, there's, it, we live in the age of the internet and there's lots of resources. And are you going to come join me? Well, I heard oh. wishing someone would come join you oh, here. Oh, Mr. So I would, Mr. Uh, Wonderful. There I am. Hello. <laughs> so, all right, let's. There we go. You know, wide angle. I know we're one. we're a tiny square. This aspect ratio leaves something to be desired. Okay, cool. So I'm mostly just sitting here talking to myself. Um, yeah, I'll scoot a little bit more, and you then you can go like that. Okay, cool. So, do you have any questions for me? Oh, homeschooling mom. Okay, raised Christian, but all very basic. All right. Well, Christina, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> um, it, the good thing is, is that. You don't have to know everything. And I think homeschooling is, um, you know, I, I give you a lot of credit. I was a homeschooling mom for eight or nine years. And it was a lot of fun. I do miss it. Um, but it's, that is a tough, um, it is it is a tough life choice and life commitment. So I commend you for that. And uh, it's it's not easy. So I know that that can be extremely overwhelming. And so I just want to encourage you to um, utilize the internet um, free. Find, find other people, right? Yeah. Other people that do homeschooling, that yeah. helps a lot. There's free podcasts and you can, um, I have a, um, I think I'll post it here for you. I've been putting together some pages uh If you want kind of uh, some good starter classes, like seminary level starter classes, but for free, 
there's some great resources out there. I'll post a link here in the in the notes. Some great places to start. Um, you can go in my notes section on the page there over to the left and I've got some other notes and that will help uh, provide you some some on-ramps. Um, some basic ministries, Ravi Zacharias Ministries is good, uh, Ligonier Ministries, they have some good resources that are kind of on-ramps to theology, um, biblicaltraining.org, um, but don't uh, don't feel like you have to master everything all at once. You know, I want to encourage you to uh, focus on your kids and, and be interested and study um, what, what they're interested in. Cool. Saw my post on that. Awesome. And, you know, that was really what I did when our kids were small is I just studied whatever my kids were into. And so I'm my daughter... She had a whole phase of being interested in paleontology and astronomy and earth science. So, you know, library, getting those books, we would study it together. And I would just kind of try to enjoy whatever she was into together with her. And um, I still do that, even though they're older now. Uh, I just want to encourage you. And if you have a kid that likes to ask difficult questions, you know, that's that's okay. And... Um, even if you don't know the answers, just say, hey, let's learn together. Because then that helps to role model for them how they can study in their own life. Yeah. Or let's call Theology Mom. Let's call Theology Mom. Uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us. And, um, yeah, just keep sending me those questions. And we'll answer them next go-round. Okay, great. Well, I'm glad my contribution was, That's right. was, was helpful here. So. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. Bye-bye.